well We shook what our mamas gave us Till we couldn't shake no more We got down on our knees When cancer knocked at our door We got kicked in the ass We gave lots of sass But when it rains it falls Into this half full glass Oh, thanks cancer Thanks cancer in the dark. You're listening to Thanks Cancer. I'm Mimi Hall. I'm Leanna House. We're two cancer friends. We are not doctors. No, and we're not shrinks. We're not nurses or anything like it. And because of that, we are going to use some appropriately obscene language. Let's just call it salty. Anyway, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish we had when we were dealing with our treatment. So Mimi, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about, hey, what did you just say? We're talking about the crazy things that people say when they learn you have cancer. And how to talk to someone who has cancer. Exactly. And, you know, when we originally discussed this topic, I was like, huh, I don't know that people really said kind of crazy things to me. I couldn't, like, conjure up anything in the moment, but you had a lot. I don't know how you avoided people saying crazy things to you. Well, I isolated a lot. More on that later. (laughs) Highly recommended. That's... That's coming up. Um, I was very open with my cancer story, so I had a lot of people come to me saying great things, but I also had, because I was so open, people saying kind of crazy things to me. Uh, My favorite, my favorite and probably the most egregious example is um, I had someone tell me that having a baby and having a newborn is way harder than having cancer. Okay, but wait a minute. So I know your story, and I know that you were going through fertility treatments. Okay, so so rewind a second. Let's let me hear this rewind. whole story. Yeah, okay, let's hear so, this whole story because that sucks. That's a little shocking. Yes. So I went through fertility treatments because I'm a young woman who hopes to still have babies in her future. So what does that involve exactly? So for chemotherapy. Um, you do fertility treatment prior to having chemotherapy or cancer treatment. Um, and that involves shots every day. That involves some really invasive procedures. Um, I was going through fertility treatment at the time. And that's also a very obviously traumatizing thing to be a woman who thinks that she has babies in her future who maybe doesn't. So babies were a particularly tender topic to me. Well, also, I'm assuming you got estrogen or and progesterone probably treatments, and you had estrogen-based cancer, so that's going to be kind of creepy. Yes. Well, and also, uh, if and when I have a child, that's when the cancer is going to come back, because my cancer is estrogen-based. Okay, so, so just a little background about what was said to you by this person in right. your well, life. This person is a lovely person okay. under normal circumstances. Which and, these are not. Which these are not. These are not normal circumstances. And when she said that, because she knew that I was going through this fertility treatment, and I was like, I don't, I don't, have you, have you had cancer? And she said, no, I've not had cancer, but I have a newborn. And that is way harder. And I'm like, okay, but... When you have a newborn, you have positive things with a newborn, too. But she was like, no, this is harder. Okay, but you know what? Some 
people are horrible and they're born into the world every day. And maybe she had a really bad birthing process and maybe she had like, we have to talk about Kevin okay. Lionel Shriver so level there, of weird there, baby. There are irredeemable, Who knows? terrible people. I do not think she is one of them. Uh, but that was... The sociopaths. Maybe. We don't know what that baby was like. That baby could have never slept. But that was Very my slept. most crazy example of people saying just just things that you would never I would never say that to someone it's true but I mean here's the thing too though I mean for me I don't come from a family that has a lot of cancer in it and I don't it wasn't part of our vocabulary in my family so much I mean my paternal grandmother died of cancer and there were people in my stepmother's family who had passed away from cancer but it's hard to kind of know what to say to someone who has cancer if you haven't gotten that exposure kind of early on in your life. I mean, it was really hard for me. Maybe one of the reasons I isolated was because I didn't really quite know what to say. Yeah. Well, and I have cancer and I still don't know what to say to patients because I'll come across in my support groups people who probably have a really bleak outcome. And I have no idea what to say to them when they talk about trying to get another few months of life. Like, I don't know what to say, so I can't really judge too harshly that other people don't know what to say to me because I am experiencing it and I can't talk to people with cancer. I think what an error that a lot of people kind of make too, or not, I don't know, when I first got my diagnosis, I remember a lot of people saying, oh, my mom, my grandmother went through that cancer and stuff like that, breast cancer. but. I was sort of thinking, I didn't want to get into it with anyone, but like, yeah, but like they were probably like 50 or 60. And when you get it at like 33 or 43, like you or I did, it's bad. It's invaded a really strong young immune system and it's a very different kind of cancer. And so I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is everyone's cancer is different and it's really hard to know what to say. And also, well, people are just trying to relate to you with the worst thing that's happened to them, right? Right, right, exactly. Well, and also everyone's really upset too, right? Because I that's mean, for fair. instance, when you are younger, like we were, we looked young, we looked vibrant. I was a, you know, primarily plant-based vegetarian since the age of 18. And I was, you know, doing yoga and the head of programming for health and wellness, and blah, 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 blah. There's nowhere to hide. You kind of remind people of there's nowhere to hide and they get upset and then they say really silly things. But you're also in a bad place. Yeah. Well, you are in a terrible place right. and everyone around you is in a terrible place. Right. And it's like this mirror of doom and you're like reflecting something crazy to them and then they reflect to you and you reflect back to them. And I mean, that's, I think, kind of why I isolated in a way too. And, and maybe it was because in a way I isolated because... I'd never seen anyone go through it and I didn't quite know how to deal with it. I said a few awkward things to people too, also as like the cancer patient. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, when, Oh, I doubled down on the awkwardness. But you kind of used <laughs> it almost like, uh, like um, weaponized. <laughs> well, I think that if I have something terrible going on in my life, yeah. I should be able to amuse myself however I choose. And, very... <laughs> and what amuses me most yeah. is... Uh, just just embracing the awkward. Yeah, you know, like this is a terrible thing. So, um, give it back. So so give it back. So when people were awkward <laughs> and didn't know what to say, I would like encourage them or double down on the awkward thing they said. Right. Um, and you know, everyone wishes I would have chosen something different. <laughs> 
Well, I have a really, I have a really typically like sarcastic kind of snarky sense of humor. That's why we are friends. Right. Exactly. Me too. And um, so what's been really funny about this, um, this experience over the past couple of years is that I have a very thin skin all of a sudden and I found myself crying really easily and it sometimes it can be very confusing for people because you know like we'll be joking around all of a sudden and then I'll just ah, burst into tears and I guess I have to say that's like a kind of a superhero power too like if you are it's one of those weird things you don't it's one of those um, inflection points one of those gifts you don't expect to give of cancer is that like yeah you become vulnerable you get in tune with it and you do realize, like, people who can't handle your realness, well, they're not going to be your ride-or-die people. They're going to probably fall off to the wayside. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's okay. O- right. That's okay. Because, yeah. you know, in the end, you're the one who decides that you've got cancer and you've got to cure that cancer first and foremost. And it's okay if you let people go. And in the end, you kind of always win in that equation because you're the one who has cancer. Yeah. When you have cancer, it's an automatic you win in the friend breakup equation. Well, it's not an automatic win. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. But you know what? If it has to happen, if you have to let go of some of that baggage, if it's not serving you, if they're not yeah. speaking to you, I mean, I think it's okay to give someone a pass now and again. You know, people are trying. They're trying to relate. They're trying to empathize. Yeah. They're trying to pull up. You have to treat them a little bit like children. Yes, because you're all children in this situation. You've never gone through this experience as a patient, getting cancer, or being vulnerable where you've never been vulnerable before the other thing is to take the cue from the cancer patient too yes right i mean to get the cue from them to go with it and i think some of the best so as as the caregiver or as the not cancer patient you're the one who has to see how this crazy person is coping with something that they've never dealt with in their life and if they're if they want to be distracted be distracting and entertaining and if they're crying you can cry but if they're if they're if they want to be distracted and you're constantly talking about how terrible this experience is and how sad it is that you have cancer it's kind of a hard situation yeah i mean the other thing that i think is really important too is that it's okay to admit you don't know what to say yeah and that that is a really powerful thing mm-hmm because because there this is a unique situation where there is nothing to say no it's not that you don't know what to say it's that no one knows what to say because there is nothing to say it's just crap but all of us pretend like there's something i mean as cancer patients and as caregivers we all think that we can say some magical thing or that there is a right thing like there isn't actually a right thing to say to someone with cancer because there's nothing you can say. Yeah, I think that's completely right. And I think some of the clearest, most honest um, things that people said to me when I told, when I broke the news, you know, they were like, oh, how are you doing? How's your project going? This and that. Well, actually, I've taken a break. I got diagnosed breast cancer and went through treatment. They, the, the ones that struck me the most people were just like, whoa, this news that you have right now is rocking me. And I'm so scared for you. And I'm really upset because I love you. And it was just that simple. And I think that's what's underlying a lot of people's weird, odd, triangulated reactions based on like kind of fear infusing it. Because 
everyone's in trauma everyone's freaked out when you're freaked out you say really 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 weird stuff instead of saying the most important thing which is what you're feeling but we can't articulate that we Mm -hmm. have to make these crazy uh parallels between my boyfriend's sister broke her arm and it's always going to be informed too by what that person's been through i mean some of my cousins have seen their mothers their aunts go through like horrible horrible radical mastectomies or lumpectomies and like suffering 30 years ago with you know the horrible treatments that happened awful and that's exactly what they're going to see in the situation and they have an honor for me sometimes that i almost don't feel worthy of knowing what that person went through before me and god bless them for paving the way for us those patients yeah really well and being able to be kind of a stand-in for those people that they can't talk to anymore mm-hmm. it's pretty powerful they've, they've lost they've lost people to cancer and then that's sometimes hard because you know now i'm in the mood to have those conversations but at the time i wasn't and again that's one of the reasons that i isolated a little bit i knew that like i wasn't ready to have those conversations i don't know like a year and a half ago in a way that now i can really have a conversation of like well, what was it like when your mom was going through this what was that like yeah. for you i can i can have a clear-headed conversation in a way now that i couldn't when i was going through it and the outcome wasn't completely clear yeah you know not that the outcome's ever clear in life but you know what i'm saying well and as patients so you're going through something you've never gone through before and as patients and i i am including myself in this because i i laugh at the dumb things people say but they also i'm expecting them to say something to fix this and there's nothing to be said so i get upset that they're not saying the thing that doesn't exist right Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that you've brought up a lot, and I think it's true. It's a teaching experience, really. It, it is. Like, being able to, as a patient, teach people what to say to you or what not to say to you, you are, you are helping them with their next horrible experience, and they, they will have another horrible experience in their mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. They or someone they love will go through what you're going through now. I think that's right. And, they're, and I think you also have to take into the fact that they're traumatized based on the news you've given them for yourself and then also based on their past experiences, too. Yeah, everyone is just really, really traumatized at the outset. It, so it, it, get, it, gets, it gets better at the end. It, well, I think also you get stronger and you get more used to, like, sort of dealing with people's interesting reactions. Um, before we... Before we close up, I just have to tell you that my mom called me last week and she told me that she was in, she likes cards a lot. She still sends mail, which I really like. And um, she was in the, the CVS or the Hallmark store. I'm not sure which one. And there's a cancer section now. Yeah. So we, I think we need to do a field trip. Wow. It's like the Burns, cancer and cancer. Those so, are the guarantees so, of life. Yeah, so if you don't know what to say, apparently... You can get a greeting card oh. about, you know, the cancer, like, I hope you get better from your cancer, or sort of just, I guess. I think greeting cards are a great idea. Or sending, I think, look, I think sending cards, I think sending gift certificates, I think saying it with flowers, this is all a really good idea. I got some gorgeous bouquets. You know, I think there are nonverbal ways of saying things that are really healing. Yes. 
<laughs> and just showing your support too, you know. Um, you can you can show your support without having to have a conversation. Exactly. And I think the thing to remember too is um, I don't think it matters when the person's just gotten diagnosed with cancer. There's an onslaught of people saying a lot of things. When the person's really going to need help is when and if they survive that cancer about a year and a half later. And that's when it's going to be really a cool time to like say, hey, I'm so glad to hear that you're out and about. Let's have a coffee or let's trust me. They'll need the support more then after the exciting part is over than when they're in the midst of the just the turmoil of the initial diagnosis. So don't feel bad if you haven't reached out to them in a while reach out to them later. You'll be one of the really appreciated people. And the person who's gone through the treatment is so much more able to handle it at that point in time. I think also like the thing is too, to recognize um, that if you are, if the person, let's say you're triggered by the person who's gotten diagnosed by cancer for whatever reason, or you've got a complicated relationship with the person who has cancer, reach out to the care team. Oh, that is great. We talked about uh, setting up filtration systems last you time. You were really good. I think you were much better at doing this than I was. And I, I think you set up like sort of like someone to do your social media, which I think was really smart. But to hire someone to do PR for you, well, pro bono, is a really good idea. <laughs> well, and I had, I had a really big involved family and you don't have as many siblings. I, I do have siblings and they were awesome um I didn't even think of doing this though I mean I again like I just I kind of isolated I mean I think I kind of just knew that my skin was so thin and that just sort of like bursting out into tears <laughs> constantly wasn't going to really work with the life that I'd created up to that point and you know, right now I'm in the mode of setting up a life for myself where it includes that capability, to be completely honest, because that's who I am now. And I think that's kind of where we land. So um, our advice to caregivers is even if you don't know what to say, you can reach out and say something. I'd say talk from your heart. Talk from your heart. Talk about your experience. Don't project. Don't try to, you know, inform too much in any which way. Certainly don't try to sell them something. I had I had people tell me what I wasn't eating or wearing or... There's a lot of multi-level marketing in my social media networks. I guess I think that's... I think for caregivers, it's like take the tone of where the person's coming from. Be really sensitive to that. And if you're not a close person, reach out to one of the caregivers if you can versus the person or be gentle with your outreach. Yeah. And then well, Lana, and also be um, concrete. Mm. Don't say anything I can do for you. And then not be there. Well, not don't give the person with cancer a job to find a job for you. Right. Like, think of something that wouldn't be too difficult for you. You know, if you have a lot of time, you could sit with them. Um, but you can offer something concrete instead of just saying, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And I'd say also, I guess this is the last thing I have to say about the caregivers, is to really honor just being silent. 
Um, one of the things that I appreciated with the people who were my primary caregivers through this was just silence, just being able to sit in silence, especially when I was in very active treatment, as in getting like an IV in my arm or something. It's kind of like having a dental hygienist who talks all the time. You just don't want that. And when you're going through some painful things, sometimes, sometimes just having the person there, knowing that they're there, but sitting in silence is really, really valuable. So never forget that. And you can use that in all sorts of different ways, depending on your relationship in the situation. I think that's great advice. Yeah. So what would we say about patient protocols for so this situation? Our patient protocols is people are going to say dumb things to you. Right. Understand that. Embody it. Water off a duck's back. Embrace it. Water off a duck's back. People, people that you love and have really great relationships will say things that they would never say. Yeah, and they're just traumatized and very often people are trying to relate. And recognize too that you may look back in hindsight and say, wow, I said a lot of weird things because I certainly do. <laughs> I said some weird things to people and I was like, rah, rah, oh Every, dear. Everyone is in such a weird situation. It's a very odd thing. None of this is normal. Emily Post didn't cover it. Um, and then, you know, this is a teaching experience, right? Yeah, you can you can help others by being a teacher and say, why would you say that? Totally. And I have to say, like, I've learned a lot about communication through this experience. Oh, that's that is that is true, especially with my really close family members. Well, so. and being able to recognize your own emotions and communicate them to other people. Yeah, we don't. People don't do that as much as they should. Yeah, so that's a real thanks, Cancer moment. So, hey, listen, thanks, Leanna. Thanks, Mimi. Thanks, Cancer. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my Cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your Cancer card. We're your passport date. Cause can Dark.